Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you've heard. We also want to let you know about our Vanguard Collective School of Supernatural Ministry launching this fall. For more information, head to vcssm.com, or for more resources like this, head to trptampa.com. Anyway, we've been in an amazing series called Faith Foundations. Who's enjoyed? Anybody enjoy this? Good? Good. Hopefully you've... um, gotten some revelation on the Old Testament. You know, Romans 15.4 is kind of like the anchor verse. It says that everything written beforehand is for our instruction so that through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. So we want to look at the Old Testament and actually find the hope in it. You know, we want to find hope in the stories of the Old Testament, what's written before, because it actually instructs us. And that, to me, sounds like structure within, instruction, structure inside. Amen? That's why we're doing this series. Today is the last day of it, I think. We'll see. <laughs> um, you know, we're just going with the flow here. We'll see what happens. So today, I, uh, you know, I planned this a long time ago, but it's awesome. And all of our kids in the CEC are learning about the same type of things. We're going to talk about the Ten Commandments and law today. Dun, 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 the law. Oh, man, I knew it was coming, the law. Anyway, so how many know that there's a purpose for the law, that God does not do anything, you know, he does everything on purpose, there's a reason that the law came into effect. And there's a lot of confusion in the church right now about whether we even need the Ten Commandments, whether they should be posted places, blah, 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 whether they should be talked about, whether they should be preached, whether the law is relevant at all. Well, we're going to try, I'm going to try and tackle that with you here. And we'll see what happens because first was a mess. All right, first guy was fun, but kind of kind of crazy. So this is not polished because the Lord wrecked me right between the eyeballs yesterday with a brand new thing that messed me up real bad and I've put it at the end so that I hopefully get out all the other stuff first but anyway forgive me I'm not one of those polished preacher types who's going to give you three points in a poem I'm just not so I can't I just I'm going to talk to you like you're on my couch and you're in my living room and I'm like hey this is what God's talking to me about and this is what I read in the Bible cool cool I'm also going to share some things I don't have full understanding on yet because I feel God telling me to do that. And that's really scary because we're live streaming. <laughs> and I have Facebook. So anyway, so how many know that God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses on Mount, anybody? Mount Sinai, that's right. You can read Exodus 19 and 20 um, and also through to 24 for the whole story of the tablets of stone, everything like that. Technically, you know, you've seen that meme. It's really corny, but I'm going to tell a joke. It's funny. Technically, Moses is the first one to download anything onto a tablet from the, cl- the cloud, you know. Yeah, from the cloud, download tablet. To, yeah, okay. I had a friend once who said, you know, Moses had a tablet, so that's why I, treat, I preach from an iPad. Seemed good enough for him. That's funny. Anyway, cheesy church jokes. But beyond the Ten Commandments, how many know that there are actually six, upwards of 613 laws? Did you know that? Oh, upwards. There's different counts out there. That's a lot of laws. That's a lot to follow. And so good news is Jesus, when he came on the scene, he really put it all in perspective. I don't have this on the screens for you, but I'm going to read it to you. Matthew 22, 37 through 40. When he was asked, you guys know this verse, but when Jesus was asked, which is the greatest commandment, he said, love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart, all the energy of your being, and every thought that is within you. This is the great and supreme commandment. And the second is like it in importance. You must love your friend in the same way you love yourself. Contained within these commandments to love 
contained within these commandments to love, you will find the meaning of the law and the prophets. So God, Jesus, thank the Lord, went from 613 laws and 10 commandments to two. (laughs) A lot easier, right? A lot easier to remember. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you do that every day, you are fulfilling the law and the prophets, all of it. So that's the good news. Easy street, right? Come on. But beyond that, I want to give, give a couple principles. And this is very teachery. Sorry if it, you, know, you don't like teaching, but this is, this is more teaching than preaching. So you might not get riled up. That's okay with me. Just don't stare at me like you're angry the whole time. All right? How about that? No, I'm kidding. It's good. So here's the first thing you need to understand, that the law was actually never meant to make you right with God. The law never was intended. The purpose of the law, before we talk about what the purpose of the law is, here's what it wasn't, okay? The law was never meant to make you right. In fact, you know this. You know this instinctively. You can't do enough right things to be right with God. Nobody is right enough to be righteous, right? You can't. You just can't. So when the law came, Ten Commandments came, all that stuff, it was never meant to make you right with God. If you don't believe me, read Galatians 2.16, Galatians 3.11 through 12, Romans 3.20, Romans 3.27 through 28. I'll stop there. All right? I can just, there's more. But if you want those again, Galatians 2.16, Galatians 3.11 through 12, Romans 3.20, and Romans 3.27 through 28. That's how I save time. Go read it yourself, all right? Romans 3, 27 through 28, though, that last one, says it outright. I love the way it says it in the Passion Translation. It says, where then is there room for boasting? Do our works bring God's acceptance? Not at all. Say, not at all. all. It was not our works of keeping the law, but our faith in his finished work that makes us right with God. So our conclusion is this. God's wonderful declaration that we are righteous in his eyes can only come when we put our faith in Christ, not in keeping the law. It can only come when we put our faith in Christ, not in keeping the law. And so a little sidebar here. People say, yeah, we're righteous in the sight of God, in the eyes of God, but not righteous right now. We're still being sanctified. Well, let me just, let me just propose to you that God doesn't need contacts. He doesn't need corrective lenses. And if God sees something, he sees it correctly. That's, that was a really good word, Caleb. That was, man, that was good. It's okay. I brought my own encouragement. When God sees something, he sees it correctly. So when God sees you, we're righteous in his eyes. He sees you righteous. You are. Not, and you might say, well, I'm not, I don't always act righteously. Hello, you can't be right enough to be righteous. It was never meant. We got, this thing is prevalent. This idea that if you follow all the rules, you'll be right with God is pervasive in the church. Don't believe me? A friend of mine who's serving today showed me a picture after the first gathering that she received last Sunday from another church group. And I'm going to put it on there. It doesn't say the name of the church, but check this out. Are you good enough? Have you kept the Ten Commandments? That was handed to her last week in our city. That is normal. Just, just, if you don't believe me, like this. (laughs) Okay, you can take it down. Are you good enough? Have you kept the Ten Commandments? Because that makes you good. Wrong. It was never meant to make you righteous. It just said that. We just said that. And then all those other scriptures. So here's the deal. Here's the purpose of the law that I really need you to understand that the law the purpose of the law is to reveal sin 
Okay, so here's what people, you know, this is taught, and it's good, that it's to say, it's to reveal the fact that these are the rules, and if you break them, you're a sinner, you've sinned, right? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? So that is, that is a purpose of the law. But when we say it's to reveal sin, something that's missing from the explanation of that is what sin is, <laughs> okay? Because we preach that sin is just an action you do. Sin is just something you do. It's a crime you commit against God. It's disobeying. But that's not all sin is. Sin is an entity that wants to control the people of the earth. It's an entity. It's used as a noun 16 out of 17 times in Romans 6. I spoke on this last week. All right. It's also in Genesis 4, I believe, when God says to Cain, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. It's personified. Sin is an entity. It's a person, a place, or a thing. And it has desires that it wants you to have. It's a spirit. It's the spirit that trafficked Eve in the garden that deceived her and tricked her. Same spirit. Okay, so when we say the law reveals sin, that's what we're saying. Not just what's wrong, but who is actually causing the wrong things. Are you okay? Okay, I'm going to go fast now. <laughs> Romans 3.20, I mentioned it earlier. I'm going to actually read it now. He says, for by merit of observing the law, no one earns the status of being declared righteous before God. For it is the law that fully exposes and unmasks the reality of sin. It's the law that fully exposes and unmasks the reality of sin. Listen, you've been told that you are your own worst enemy. Probably from a pulpit. You've been told that you are, your, you are the problem. I got a problem with that. If it's no longer I who lives, then how can it be I that's the problem? No longer I, but Christ lives in me. All right? I am not my own worst enemy. You are not your own worst enemy. Sin is your worst enemy. Sin is your enemy. The law came to show that sin is the problem. That the entity of sin is the issue. It didn't come to make you right or to give you a list of rules that you try to, some people will attain them and some won't. Jesus did. Because he had to undo and outdo and redo and overdo what Adam did. Okay, all the doo-doo Adam did, he had to undo, redo, outdo it. All right? So he fulfilled the law. Amen? Okay, three of you. He fulfilled it. He fully filled it so that you and I could step into something else. He fulfilled the gap so you and I could step on the cornerstone of Christ. Okay? And so you thinking you are your own worst enemy is actually not... <laughs> It's going against the, the grain here. It's going against the program because the law was set in place to show you that you're not. Let me just show you. Okay. Romans, uh, we're going to read Romans 7. Yeah. <gasps> Romans 7. Oh, my gosh. Romans 7, 1 through 6. I'll just paraphrase it for you really quickly. Talks about the law. He says, you, uh, you know the law. If a man, a woman is married to a man, as long as the uh, man stays al is alive, she's uh, committed to him by law, right? He uses the picture of marriage. And then he says, but if the man dies, then she's free to marry another one without any, without any legal issues, right? Right? So he says, likewise, Romans 7, 4, I believe it is, likewise, likewise, my brethren, you also have died to the law through the body of the Messiah so that you might be free to marry another, him who was raised from the dead. You have died to the law through the body. When Jesus died, he killed your old man, okay, your old husband, so that you might be free to marry another, him who was raised from the dead. Yes, Jesus killed your old man so he could marry you. Yes, that's what happened. All right, so 
Hashtag don't tweet that without context. All right, you will get in trouble. <laughs> so that's Romans 7, 1 through 6, all right? And it brings us to this point where Paul has to address, well, was the law wrong? No. And so in verse 7, Romans 7, 7 through 13, it says, So what shall we say about all of this? Am I suggesting that the law is sinful? Of course not. In fact, it was the law that gave us the clear definition of sin. What did the law do? Did the law give you a clear definition of how to be right with God? No, the law gives you a clear definition of sin. For example, when the law said, do not covet, it became a catalyst to see how wrong it was for me to crave what belongs to someone else. It was through God's commandment that sin was awakened in me. Did you hear that? Personified again. Sin was awakened in me and, was, and built its base of operation within me to stir up every kind of wrong desire. For in the absence of the law, sin hides dormant. I once lived without a clear understanding of the law, but when I heard God's command, sin sprang up to life and brought with it a death sentence. The commandment that was intended to bring life brought me death instead. Sin, by means of the commandment, built a base of operation within me to overpower me and put me to death. Did you hear that? Sin used the law to overpower you and put you to death. Who's your own worst enemy now? Come on. You are not your own worst enemy. The law revealed that sin was the one that, that came and overpowered you and put you to death. So then we have to conclude that the problem is not with the law itself. For the law is holy and its commandments are correct and for our good. So did something meant to be good become death to me? Certainly not. It was not the law but sin unmasked that produced my spiritual death. This sacred, the sacred commandment merely uncovered the evil of sin so it could be seen for what it is. The law revealed the true enemy of your soul. And it's not you. Just, I know, you, you've said it a bunch of times. It, you say something a million times, it feels true. It doesn't make it true, okay? Just because you say it a bunch of times or someone else says it a bunch of times doesn't make it true. All right? So just leave it alone. You're not your own worst enemy. Turn to your neighbor. Tell him you're not your own worst enemy. How about that? Now turn to your neighbor that you don't like nearly as much and say, you also are not your. <laughs> I love saying that. That's funny. <laughs> Come on. Sin is your worst enemy. The flesh is not the problem. Jesus took care of the flesh on the cross. Colossians 2. Gone. As in circumcision. Cut off. Done. Romans 8, 9 says, you are not in the flesh if the Holy Spirit dwells in you. Romans 8, verse 9. Uh, live stream, hear me quickly. Romans 8, verse 9. It says, you are not in the flesh if the Holy Spirit dwells in you. That's the litmus test. I'm struggling with my flesh. No, you're struggling with deception about your flesh still being here. I'm struggling against my flesh. No, you're, you're fighting the deceptive lie that your flesh still has pa any power over you, that has not been cut off and removed and thrown away. You're dealing with that lie. Sin uses deception. Sin deceived even the garden. Paul said, I fear lest you be deceived as even the garden from the simplicity that is in Christ. Right? So, sin is your own worst enemy. It's your worst enemy. The law was sent to reveal the truth that you, you yeah, you can't do all these things. You can't be right by doing right right? 
You can't be right with God by doing right. And there's an entity. We've, we've got that one. People have got that one, but they don't get the other one. There's, it's, not that, it's not only that here's a bunch of rules you'll never obtain. People say that, and that's true, but that's only half of it. Sin is not just a list. Sin is not just disobedience on your part. It's not just an action. It's an entity. This is so important. I mean, I've, I've said it last week. I'm repeating it now because it's so important. You get this, and then all of a sudden those desires you're having, and if you continue to have them, you can actually declare over yourself, those aren't mine. Because it says, do not, Romans 6, I'm, I'm preaching my life message right now, I'm sorry. Sorry, not sorry. It says, do not submit your members to sin to make you obey its passions and desires. It says, do not submit your members to sin to make you to obey its passions and desires. Sin has passions and desires. Listen, temptation comes to all of us. Temptation is inevitable. You're going to be tempted, but that's how you work out your, your strength. It's like resistance training, right? Come on. It's not on the inside trying to get out. It's on the outside trying to convince you it's still inside. Okay. It is a good word. I don't have enough time for the rest of this. Here's the deal. Yeah, next week. Yeah, I might. Here's the deal. The law, I'm, I am going to share something that hit me yesterday uh, that I don't have full understanding of yet. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share it because I feel God saying share it. Okay? The law is, what is the law? It's a list of rules, right? It's do this, don't do this. It's a list of what is good and what is evil. Right? Yes? Making sense? Stay with me now. The law is just here's what's good and here's what's bad. Right? Well, here's what the Lord hit me with yesterday. The law in and of itself is actually the final manifestation of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The law is actually a manifestation. It's the final product. It's the ultimate end of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There were two trees in the garden, Genesis chapter 3, right? And Genesis 2, sorry, talks about it. And it says that there's a tree of life. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, it's always bothered me uh, as a Christian growing up. It always bothered me like, why did God not want them to know what's good and evil? What, what is that? Why? Like, wouldn't God want you to know that's bad, that's good? That's like parenting 101. I'm like, am I doing it wrong with my son? No, bad, good, bad. You know what I mean? Like, what father, what parent doesn't want them to know, hey, that hurts. Or that's, that'll be good, that'll be bad, right? What? So it always confused me. Like, why weren't they allowed to have the knowledge of good and evil. And here's what I got yesterday, and I hope I can take you with me, all right? Sorry if it's weird or whatever or not thought out. It's not that God didn't want them to know what is good and evil. He just didn't want them to get it from that source. God wanted them to know what is good and what is bad through relationship with the tree of life. It says, you eat the tree of life, you'll live forever. You're never going to die. The tree of life is salvation. It's also many times throughout Scripture, Jesus, okay? The tree of life is Jesus, okay? The Word of God, right? So there's two trees in the garden because God is love and He requires a choice. You have to be able to choose God in order to love God, right? So God gave them both, both options. Hey, you can either learn what's right and wrong through relationship with the tree of life, or you can, and live forever, by the way. Or you can learn what's right and wrong through the rule book known as 
the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Here's what happened. In Exodus 19, God says to Moses, say this to the people. Therefore, if you indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples. Sound familiar? For all the earth is mine. And you shall, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests. Say kingdom of priests. Sound familiar? This is Exodus. What are you? You're a royal Priesthood, right, come on. He says, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, Exodus 19, 5 through 6, you will be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, right? He says, say that to Israel, all right? So then he goes and gets the Ten Commandments. Then Exodus 20, verse 18 through 21, after Moses gets the Ten Commandments, this is what it says. It says, when all the people saw the thunder and flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off. This is God came on the mountain. God came down and really made a fireworks show you wouldn't believe. You know what I'm saying? Like really, really, you would be scared too. All right, you should read it in Exodus 20. All right, they see this and they stood far off and they were afraid. And they said to Moses, listen to what they say. They say, you speak to us and we will listen. But do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses, you speak to us and we will listen. You become a mediator between us and God. Because if God speaks directly to us, we're going to die. And Moses says, that's not true. Do not fear. God has come to test you. But they still, they still want Moses as the, as the intermediary. They still want Moses as the guy, the go-between. They still send him into the tent of meeting. You know what I'm saying? Like, God said, here's what God said. If you all just listen to my voice, you're going to live. It's going to be good. You're going to be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, basically, is what he says. Right? Before Jesus, before before any of that happens, God was inviting Israel into what you and I have today. You understand? God did not want just to give them a bunch of rules. He wanted them to, to partake of the tree of life. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is just, you know, you know what you make books out of, right? Trees. So they chop it down. They make a book. They put the law in it. All right. And, that's, and then they say, here, try to be right with God. God wants you to know what's good and what's wrong. But he wants you to know it through relationship, through inward conviction, not through outward compulsion. Are you with me? So it was never meant to make anyone right. It actually talks about later that it was an intermediary agreement, meaning it came after Abraham and before Jesus. Hebrews 8 says that it was actually, it's, uh, no, no, what is it? Hebrews 8 says, I will write my, heart, my law on their hearts and in their minds, and they will be my people. They will no longer say to one another, know the Lord, for they all know me from the greatest to the least. And I will forget their wicked ways and remember them no more. And it says that in making a second covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. That's the word. I had to quote half the passage to get the one word. He makes it obsolete. Listen, the law is obsolete. According to Hebrews 8, read it for yourself. The law is obsolete. It's been made obsolete, and it's passing away is what it says in the book of Hebrews, okay? Obsolete and fading away. It's an intermediary agreement. It was actually a tutor that brought us to Christ, but now that Christ is here, it actually makes it, it, it even says it's no longer in force. Galatians 3, uh, 23 through 25 says, until the revelation of faith for salvation was released, the law was a jailer holding us as prisoners under lock and key until the faith that was destined to be revealed would set us free. The law becomes a gateway to lead us to the Messiah so that we would be saved by faith. But when faith comes, the law is no longer in force. 
Does that mean you shouldn't, does that mean murder is okay? Thou shalt not murder. No. But what was the law for? It wasn't so that you don't murder. You got to, man, you got to get this. The law was not meant to help you not covet. The law was not meant to help you not commit adultery. The law was not meant to help you not give false witness to your, it was never going to help you. And we got people saying, are you good enough? Have you followed the Ten Commandments? That will help you be good. It was never meant for that. It was to reveal the fact you couldn't be good on your own and that you're being trafficked by an entity called sin. And when we, if we, if we also say we need to focus on behavior modification, doing right so that we are right, we also are partaking of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and the result will be the same. The result will be the same. I'm right about that. I'm just telling you. So this is the deal. Faith came, all right? Faith has come. Now that faith has come, some passages say, listen to Romans 3, 30 through 31. Because now that faith has come, it actually establishes the proper place for the law. It says, Romans 3, 30 through 31, since there is only one God, he will treat us all the same. He eliminates our guilt and makes us right with him by faith, no matter who we are. Does emphasizing our faith invalidate the law? Absolutely not. Instead, our faith establishes the, the role the law should rightfully have. Faith establishes the role the law should rightfully have. Why? Because Abraham was promised a son. And Abraham entered into this thing by faith. 430 years later, the law came as an intermediary. It was a temporary thing. And then, I don't know how many years later, Jesus came. Okay? Are you following this? So faith was with Abraham. Abraham had faith. And then the law came. Faith was supposed to establish the proper place of the, of the law. Faith was supposed to say, partake of the tree of life. Hear the voice of God. The tree of life is Jesus, the word of God. Are you following me? The word of God. Listen to his word. That's how you'll live forever. And then God says it again when the law came. If you'll just listen to my word, you'll live. You'll be a holy nation. And they chose the other tree. They chose the law. They chose a mediator. But your Bible says there is one mediator now between God and man, Christ Jesus the righteous. Somewhere in the New Testament it says that. <laughs> you can Google it. So faith began it with Abraham. Then the law was an intermediary. And now the full manifestation of faith, Jesus Christ has come. And we're still trying to get back to the temporary obsolete intermediary thing. That's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Should you lie? No. But how should you know that you shouldn't lie? Through the inward witness of the Holy Spirit, through the inside out. Listen, the law is an external covenant. Being one with Christ is an internal covenant. It's supposed to be inside out. The tree, you know what happens if they x-ray your lungs and you raise your arms? You look like a tree on the inside, by the way. All the veins, you look like a tree. You're an oak of righteousness, Isaiah says. You're supposed to be rooted and grounded, co-grafted, it says. Co-grafted. He is the vine. You are the branches. That's right. This thing is supposed to be an inside out, the aquifer of his life releasing into our life. Not a looking at the list of rules and going, I need to do that, 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 and that, and then I'll be right with God. Here's what it also is not. 
since you're connected with the tree of life, it's not after you make a mistake going, see, the law says I shouldn't do that, and so now I'm a sinner, and I have to repent, and I have to be blah, blah, blah in order to be made right with God. Listen, repentance means change the way you think. And the fruit of repentance is walking a different way because you changed the way you thought, all right? But it doesn't actually earn you favor with God. Uh-huh. You, I don't care how much you repent. I don't care how quickly you repent either. It doesn't make you right with God. You are already right with God through faith in Jesus. You understand? Listen, if just one church could get this. <laughs> If just one of us in this city could get it, I'm not hating on anybody. I'm just saying, if we could actually look at the law as a temporary thing that God put in place in order to get us to the place of maturity as a human race to receive Christ, okay, as a people, because obviously they weren't mature enough at that time, because he offered them the same thing, a holy nation, a kingdom of priests, all that, right? They obviously weren't mature enough. So it, it brought us to maturity. Hallelujah. God's ways are perfect. Amen. So why would we, now that we are mature, go back to this stuff and try to make ourselves right with God? Why would we hand out a booklet like that? It says, are you good enough? Have you obeyed the Ten Commandments? <laughs> Ridiculous. It is. It's trash talk. That's what it is. Let's not hope to partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, a.k.a. the law. Knowing what's good and what's wrong. And hope for life. The letter kills, but the spirit gives life, Jesus said. You know, that's called the ministry of condemnation. Everybody who wants to obey the law, who says we need the law to, you need to know what the law says. You need to know your history as a Christian. You need to know what is good and what is, what is wrong. But even, even the study of it won't help you become it. <laughs> Are you following me? This is important. It's important. Instead, let's stay rooted and grafted and grounded in the tree of life, which brings everlasting life to all who are in it, in the Son, in the Word. If you've ever felt condemned in this, on this side of it, if you've ever, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So any condemnation, you know what condemnation means? You know what that word means? It means death sentence. If you ever felt like a death sentence because of something you did, I just bless you right now with a revelation of what he did. <laughs> just give it to you. You can have it. Here, anybody want it? You can have it. All right. Listen, it's not in doing the right thing. It's that believing that he is the righteous one and that you're one with the righteous one. I don't know if this is like helping or just like super obvious, but... God, we got to get this. I mean, how many, it's 2,000 years later, right, almost, that Jesus was on the earth changing us into a new covenant. And we're still trying to bring the old covenant in. We got mixed covenant paradigms. Trying to blend two covenants. You can't belong to two bloodlines, so you can't blend two covenants. Choose this day. Death and life are before you. Choose this day. Choose this day. Both trees are still before us. Choose this day. Do you want the list of rules that doesn't require a relationship with the voice of God? Tree of knowledge of good and evil. Or do you want to just walk this thing with Jesus and be a follower of Christ? Because listen, man, the law talks about some crazy stuff. Like, yeah, you shouldn't tattoo your bodies. 
and you also shouldn't wear clothing with two types of thread in it. Oops. You stand when a gray-haired man walks in the room. Every time. Okay. I mean, there. it's not going to help. I hope this helped. <laughs> but thank you, Lord, for the tree of life that's in us, that we're one with right now. Thank you, Lord, that we don't need the law book tree. We need the, even, we just need the lawgiver. Because <laughs> he'll give us everything we need in every moment. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God made this so easy on you. <laughs> God made it so easy. He went from 613 laws, 10 commandments to two. <laughs> and he made it easy. Just, just continually partake of his life. Amen. Does this help? I hope it helps. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you've heard. We also want to let you know about our Vanguard Collective School of Supernatural Ministry launching this fall. For more information, head to vcssm.com, or for more resources like this, head to trptampa.com.